We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. Uh, If you missed Cooley yesterday doing his film breakdown, he really got into it this week. Watched the All-22. Had a real good breakdown of the offense and defense um, from the game on Monday night. And really thought Scott Turner... Terry McLaurin and Taylor Heineke had great nights. Uh, uh, So I'd go listen to that. It's available uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you get your podcasts on Spotify and on Apple, please review us uh, and rate us five stars if you don't mind. Really good reviews coming in. We really appreciate it. This one from uh, Funk WV, as in, I would assume, West Virginia, have really enjoyed the podcast. It's, by the way, titled Date Night. Date night. Have really enjoyed the podcast. Kevin and Tommy's episodes are the best. I'm close in age to Kevin, so I'm trying my best to keep the passion for the Redskins. The episode that Tommy was putting Kevin on the spot about going out for dinner with the wives brought back memories from high school trying to get a girl to go out with me, telling her I'll work it all out. Uh, all you have to do is show up. No pressure, I promise. We'll do whatever you want to do. I'll pay for everything. Bring your mom if you want. Anyway, I hope you guys get it worked out. I recommend, Tommy, and you may know this place, May's Restaurant in Frederick. Great seafood. Hope you guys get it worked out. Love the show. Kevin Funkhauser from Martinsburg, West Virginia. That's where all the outlets are. Up there in Martinsburg, West Virginia. I'm pretty sure. It's near Shepherdstown, West Virginia, where I think I've told you my father and his wife have a house there. Uh, They're in Florida a big portion of the year. um, But they have a house overlooking the Potomac River in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. That It's it's very pretty up there. Do you know Mays? I know Mays. Not my cup of tea because I'm not a seafood guy. All right. But uh, my wife has eaten there, and she had good things to say about it. Yeah, they. Uh, if they There's don't... lots of good choices for restaurants in Frederick. Right, there are. Um, do you remember the episode he's talking about? I don't remember the episode about going out for dinner with the wives. I mean, you and I have talked about getting the four of us together. Was that what he was talking right. about? I think so. Okay. I don't remember it being, uh, you know, some kind of... Uh, emotional uh, discussion or, you know, that I don't remember it being that dramatic, but I'm glad. Look, you never know what tickles somebody's fancy. You never know. You never know. Uh, It's sometimes we're not even sure if we've tickled our own fancy. (laughs) 
Uh, but we keep <laughs> trying. Um, so, uh, Ron Rivera made the decision yesterday, which was a non-decision, uh, and it was an easy decision, and we talked about this on Monday. I mean, there was 0% chance that Carson Wentz after Monday night was going to start the game in Houston. Um, but what Ron did yesterday is use the uh, current injury status of Carson Wentz as a way to really deflect any sort of su- significant or substantial answer until at least next week for the time being. Um, you know, he said, uh, quote, uh, and here it is, uh, the biggest, biggest update more so than anything else is Carson's been cleared to start throwing. We haven't designated him for return to practice yet. He was working on the side. Well, actually, he's working down on the field with the training staff today. But again, he wasn't designated for return, so we will start Taylor this week. And I, I, w- I was thinking, Tommy, you know, the injury was on October 13th when they played Chicago, and it was a four to six week. I thought it was four to eight weeks this morning, and somebody sent me the uh, release. Um, it was four to six weeks, and we're in that window. So I will take the coach yeah. at his word that Carson isn't physically ready, but it is convenient for him that Carson isn't physically ready um, because he doesn't have to say – publicly Carson's ready to go we're activating him from injured reserve but Taylor Heineke is going to start he doesn't need to do that until next week what do you think he wants to say does he want to say that Taylor Heineke is my quarterback or does he want to say that I'm putting Carson Wentz back in I don't think he wants to say that he wants to put Carson Wentz back in not now I think there's also okay. – well, yep. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, let me ask you this then. Would the motivation for that be uh, simply the fact that it's, it's obvious to at least people in the building that their best chance of winning games under the system they're running these days is with Taylor Heineke? Or is there some greater thing that maybe this was a decision that wasn't – that he went along with that wasn't necessarily his, as for, as reported in that ESPN story, and maybe he wasn't the guy who really wanted Carson Wentz all along. Well, you keep coming back to that, and that's fine, and I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not a possibility that that happened. I just personally think that in the moment, if you recall, they tried desperately for Russell Wilson. Um, they actually thought for a brief moment that they had a good chance to get Russell Wilson. They were also interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, per Schefter's report. Uh, now, I learned, if you recall, that they, there wasn't an, a deal that was imminent. Once it became evident to Washington that Garoppolo was going to get surgery, Washington backed off the Garoppolo thing. I think there was significant interest in Garoppolo. And then they moved to Wentz because with Wentz, they didn't have to, you know, if they traded something for him, they had control of him coming there. Um, and they were desperate to get something. I, I would be very surprised if Ron wasn't involved with Scott Turner, with Martin Mayhew, with Marty Herney, with everybody that would be involved in a personnel decision like that. If they, it, I would be surprised. I shouldn't be surprised. But given everything that was going on with Dan you know, and what's been going on with them for the last two years. I'd, I'd be surprised if that was a Dan, you know, walks into the room and says, we didn't get Russell, then go get Carson Wentz now. 
trade Indianapolis or whatever. I think that, I, I look uh, based on the fact that he's picked every ma- ma- every major quarterback decision for the past more than the past decade. Uh, I don't think he, I don't think he's going to let a little thing like a congressional hearing or investigations get in the way of his obsession. And remember, he's the one that told the gaming commission in Maryland yeah. uh, when they were trying to get the license for. He made it clear. He said, "We got ourselves a quarterback." Yeah. Okay. We're going to fill up. The, we're going to fill up the stadium it. too. He said. Yes, I know. So I think based on his the back of his baseball card. I think this was uh, Ron Rivera went along with it because he figured, what do I have to lose? It's not like I've got Johnny Unitas as my quarterback here as it is, you know? And But I think it was the owner's impetus for, for, for the move. I don't think Ron Rivera went to Dan Snyder and said, we got to get Carson Wentz. Okay. I, th- I think I disagree with you. I mean, unless you're telling okay. me you know this. No, I don't. Because... That's not really. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it based on again the Seth Wicker Sham track record. Well, they, they had that and that comment and the comment. Yeah, the comment in the ESPN article. Yeah, I, I want to go back and pull that comment up um, because it was uh, Snyder is far still far more involved running the club than most realized, imploring football decision makers last March to trade for quarterback Carson Wentz. That was the Seth Wickersham, Don Van Natta, Tisha Thompson story from ESPN on October 12th or whatever. Right. Um, I think it was more of a go-along than, a, than uh, the driving force. Well, it's certainly, I don't think it's he, certainly uh, not and, beneath and, him. And, and, <laughs> no, no, it's certainly not beneath him. And also, if that's the case, if, if what I'm saying is accurate, uh, I mean, if it if it if Ron Rivera was worried, if this was his guy, his big deal, uh, I would think that he would feel be leaning towards getting him back on the field as soon as possible. I know that Ron had to, to, to say what he said about Carson Wentz during the offseason after the trade. You know, there was a lot of, I've got to really build this guy up because his esteem is taken, his self-esteem is taken a big hit. You know, when you're basically, you know, you've you've exited two places within two years, um, or just over a year. Um, you know, he was reeling a little bit, and I think Ron did the right thing to prop him up and to really support him. But he really went overboard with Wentz. You know, they all did in the off season. I, I, I certainly don't dispute that Snyder could have said, "Go get Carson Wentz." Please do it now after Russell. Because the Russell Wilson thing was right up Dan's alley to get a celebrity quarterback. You know, so if they they had gotten Russell Wilson, I mean, first of all, in hindsight, it would have been a mistake. I was all for it. Um, But imagine, you know, with all the stories that have come out about Russell Wilson and the diva-ness of Russell Wilson. Now, part of me thinks that Russell Wilson, that Dan Snyder is so far beneath him that not that Denver had a great situation, but he certainly, you know, he wouldn't have been interested in hanging out with Dan. But can you imagine Dan frothing at the mouth to hang out um, with Ciara and Russell Wilson? You oh, know, that would have been fun. I mean, do you guys want to come over for movie night? I mean, it would have been so embarrassing. You know, he's embarrassed himself with that stuff over the years. It, it actually would have, you know what? It would have been fun. 
It would have been fun. Yes. Um, it would have been fun. But this is actually better right now. Uh, and and but to answer your question, it's possible. I don't think it happened that way. I don't know anything. Okay. I just don't. I just my gut on this is he really wasn't involved in the Fitzpatrick thing. He wasn't, you know, and and the Wentz thing. I'm sure he was involved in from a, the, you know, ke- being kept up to date. Here's our plan. If we don't get Russell Wilson, there's Garoppolo, there's Trubisky, there's you know, uh, there's Carson Wentz, and we're going to do our best to get one of those. And Dan, I'm sure, by the way, said we need something at quarterback here, guys. We can't, you know, we got to have something that we can sell here with the new name. Uh, but I don't know if it was a Dwayne Haskins-esque thing, walking into the room and saying, this is what we're doing. But Well, I'm, I mean, that, that would be different because there were people in that room that didn't want Dwayne Haskins. Right. It's not like Dan walked in the room and said, let's go get Dwayne Haskins, and they turned around and said, well, why not? You know, which I think could have happened with Ron. Okay. I mean, you know, my owner wants to go get this guy. I, I, you know, Joe Montana is a, is a behind center force. Uh, let's take a shot. But I mean, I just think you know, I think it has something. I think it's important to know where the ideas start from. Tom, with this organization. If, if you're right, okay. Honestly, it will. I mean, the, the owner hopefully is going to exit stage right here in a few months. We we're, we're certainly you know waiting on that. But if you're right, Ron Rivera's strength, to, which for me is kind of this leadership, um, this strength of character, um, is really mush when it comes down to it. Because if he didn't like Wentz, and you're not suggesting that, I understand that. Um, right. But if, you know, let's just say that he didn't agree with the compensation. Uh, re- remember, the, uh, I, I, God, I forgot about this. I had somebody on from Indianapolis prior to the Colts game a few weeks ago, and he told me the following, and I think it was on the podcast. It may have been on the radio. He said, word is that after Indianapolis traded for Matt Ryan and just gave up a third-round pick and that was it, that basically Ron or somebody from the organization called Indianapolis up and said, how'd you pull that off after what we gave you for Wentz? And they did way overpay, and that is a Snyder move to overpay. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that's been consistent, and there have been several things consistent, but when it comes to being involved in personnel decisions, Dan has been a sucker for everybody since he came into the league. I mean, go to Washington to get you know, overpaid. The, the, go to Washington right. to get that, the better the to, to get the better yep. part of a trade. You know, F- I mean, just fleeced a, a total mark. For the other owners, which, by the way, is the other piece of this whole ownership thing, which is, and many people have said this, the Maras and the, the Philadelphia and Dallas ownership, they don't want him gone. He's been such an easy mark. It's, basic, it's basically been worth, you know, on average, probably a win and a half a year to face off with this, you know, moron over the years. So, uh, but I, I don't think that this was him. But my, uh, what I was going to say, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure I was clear on this. If if, if 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 Ron didn't want it, and it happened, Ron's mush, because really the biggest mistakes Ron has made, and you can go back now and say it was a big mistake, was keeping Dwayne Haskins and not considering more seriously Tua Tagovailoa or Justin Herbert with the number two pick in his in his very first draft. 
And he didn't do that because you had a a transcendent player, at least the way he was being evaluated in Chase Young. And by the way, that right. was at a very big-time need position as well to put him on the opposite side with Montez Sweat, who the team had drafted the year before. And Tua was uh, had a hip injury that they were concerned about. Ron told me that last year on the radio show. He said we we did not have uh, we were we were never going to take Tua because of the concern over the hip. And they didn't you know they didn't have Herbert evaluated that high, which a lot of, you know several teams didn't coming into it. But um, the other part of it was he didn't think they were going to be any good in 2020, and so they'd be able to figure it out the following year. But if he did it just to appease Dan. Because Dan said, give it a shot, which he he says was never the case. I find that hard to believe. I think Dan wanted Dwayne to, to, to have a legitimate shot with, you know, whomever he hired uh, to be the new head coach. Um, but, you know, then you're talking about two uh, moves at the or decisions at the quarterback position that backfired in a major way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just kind of, uh, you know, it'll be a curious thing to move forward. Uh, once Carson Wentz is considered healthy, and if Taylor Heineke turns in another decent performance this week, uh, what the landscape will be like next week. Because this is not a Sonny versus Billy thing. I mean, there may be some people out there that want to see Carson Wentz back, but I think the majority of those people are the ones who, who, who have, you know, have planted their flag in the anyone but Taylor Heineke camp. I don't don't think it's necessarily because they love Carson Wentz. It's just that they they, they can't bring themselves to to live with Taylor Heineke as their quarterback moving forward. So it's not like there's a big – I don't think there's going to be a huge division in this fan base over these two guys if they're both healthy and, and viable choices. So I put a poll out yesterday, who do you want, Taylor Heineke or Wentz this week in Houston? You know, this was before uh-huh. Ron Rivera. I mean, I knew what the answer would be. Um, 5,588 votes, 91.5% Heineke, 8.5% Wentz. So the people yeah. planting their flag uh, with Wentz, it's pretty, you know, small. It's small. I think it's a... It's not Sonny versus Billy. No, I think it's a combination yeah, sure. of what you said, which is, you know, they've, they, they're, they're, they've got their flag planted in the anything but Heineke camp. But I think it's also... Those people during the off season that were, you know, insufferable, especially on social media, with the if you're not on board with Wentz, get out. You know that crowd, which really is the yeah. dumb. The you know I, I consider a lot of those people to be the dumbing down of our fan base. I just don't consider them to be the majority of it. I think a lot of the smart people in the fan base are gone. So what you're left with on social media, per usual, which it's you know it's a cesspool of. Of, of, of negativity and, and very often incompetence. But those people are the worst. You know, they're the ones also that are, you know, lay off the owner, you know, and just focus on the team and the players. Like the ownership situation doesn't matter. And as, as we talked about last yeah. week, in some ways, some of those people over the years have been part of the problem here. But I think some of those people are st- still want to be proven right that that trade and that that quarterback and that Indy screwed him up and Philadelphia screwed him up and this was going to be the place that he was going to come and shine. And who knows? Maybe if he gets a chance, he will play better than he did in the first six games. But there are a couple of things I want to do here um, with with the uh, Heineke-Wentz situation. Number one is this. 
I if Carson actually is capable of playing this week, but it was kind of a coin flip. Just take that as the assumption right now. You know, it was very easy and convenient for Ron and maybe 100% sincere. But just uh, take into consideration for a moment that Heineke, uh, that Wentz um, was cleared to throw and that they felt like if, you know, if they didn't have a starting quarterback, that Wentz could have been ready to play Sunday in Houston. Do you think it's right to just kind of deflect the having to answer Wentz definitively versus Heineke, Heineke for another week if Wentz was capable of playing this week? Sure. I have no problem with that skullduggery. I'm okay with that. Okay. That's, that's a wise move. Okay. Why put off, uh, you know, taking your medicine when you don't have to take it yet? Okay. So, no, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, there's always a chance that Taylor Heineke could stink up the joint against uh, Houston. And then you want your options open. Here's why I disagree with you. And, and, and I'm hoping that Wentz legitimately isn't able to play this week. Because you're now 5-5. Five and five. You are legitimately in the NFC playoff race for a wild card spot. I mean, you're in it. You know, you're right now the eighth seed, and you're a half game behind the seventh seed. And so this game Sunday is massive. This is really must win. You pretty much have to beat Houston to have a legitimate chance to make the postseason. These next two games are crucial, but the one against Houston, because they're the worst team in the league, you got to get this one. You can't lose to Houston Sunday. And so understanding that, which they should, you don't want to go into a game that you have to win where if your starter, Taylor Heineke, goes down, you don't have the best option for a backup. And if Wentz is the best option for a backup over over Sam Howell, and he okay. and he can play, well, then you're making the wrong football decision for, for Sunday. And I know you wanted to avoid it for another week because you don't want, you know, the, uh, the, the, the shit storm that's going to come with it. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be a shit storm, by the way. But you don't want to have to deal with, you know, the, the media attention over picking Heineke legitimately over a healthy and ready-to-go Wentz. I understand that, but it's not what's best for the football team if Wentz can play. That's the only point I would make on that. Okay, so are we absolutely sure that Wentz is not going to be active and available for Sunday? I don't think we're 100% sure, but I think the tact he took yesterday, unless he's going to come back later in the week and sort of just surprise everybody and say, actually, we, you know, it could be after the Friday practice you know when everybody stops paying attention until game time yeah. on Sunday and he might activate him and then uh you know activate him off injured reserve and then have him active on Sunday as a backup okay uh, good point it's still possible that that could happen yeah I but think he, it could and, and you know what I, I'd be okay with that too you know I'd be totally fine with that along I'd be fine with that I'd be totally so, yeah. fine with that I mean they're 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 full strength would be Carson Wentz as an available backup if Taylor Heineke goes down. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Right. Yeah. Or if Taylor Heineke has a terrible first half and you're down by 10 and he's thrown three picks, which I don't think is going to oh, happen. I don't think, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they would make that change. 
Um, I don't think they would do that. All right, here's I the... I mean, because Taylor Heineke has, sh- has shown you in the second half he could throw two touchdowns and run for a third. So here's yeah. here's the, the last question on the Heineke-Wentz situation, because I did this this morning on the radio show, and I want your answer to this. Um, regardless of Wentz's availability, you know, after this upcoming game, or even before it, like we just described, uh, are they better off going with Taylor Heineke the rest of the way? Is it better for well, Ron just to say, look, Taylor, uh, Carson is ready. He's cleared. He's throwing. Looks good throwing. Looks excellent throwing. Looks really healthy. Um, but we're going to stick with Taylor Heineke for the foreseeable future for now. He's our starting quarterback. Is that a better well, way to he, go? If, if they win, he used the word this week, momentum. Mm-hmm, he did. Okay. Uh, and that's a legitimate reason that no one's going to criticize him for. You know, I mean, you know, you, 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 I mean, if you've got a jockey that's winning four or five horses races in a row on this horse, you know, as as a substitute for the injured jockey, when the injured jockey's ready to come back, you don't take the other guy off the horse. No, nobody's going to do that. So I think that, you know, using the, the idea of the team has momentum, and that's real. They will have significant momentum. I mean, they'd be five in a row, right? Five in a row? What do you mean five in a row? In terms of, oh, no, no, they wouldn't be. How, how many what would be uh, five out of their last six or uh, four out of their last they, five? They've won four out of their last five, starting with the Chicago five. game that Alex Smith yeah. quarterbacked. Alex Smith, yeah, that, so, that Carson yeah, that, Wentz quarterbacked. That's momentum. That's the real thing. So, yeah, I, I think that that's what you do. I, I think most people would understand it. I think nobody except for Mrs. Wentz would understand going the other direction. So this isn't my answer, I want to be clear, is not an answer based on, you know, the future. It's not about next year or the year after. Although I did mention no. on the podcast Monday, and I think you and I talked about this briefly, I mentioned that just so everybody is following along here, Taylor Heineke is not under contract for next year. Uh, he's an unrestricted free agent as it stands right now for 2023. And personally, I think in this league where you've got to have a good backup in the event that your starter goes down, I think they should really go to him and try to sign him on the cheap, as cheap as you can get it done, to a one- to two-year extension. I would do that with him because I do think he is a high-quality backup quarterback in the NFL. But this isn't a conversation about that. It's about, it's about the here and now. Um, there are the, the answer is I'm starting him – regardless of how he plays, unless it's really bad. And he has the potential for really bad. We saw that last year. You know, the fifth after four in a row, the game against the Cowboys that he played, I'm not talking about the one in Dallas. I'm talking about the game that where they were 6-6, six and six, was a stinker to high heaven. I mean, they brought Kyle Allen into the game late, and Kyle Allen almost, you know, pulled off with the help of Cole Holcomb's pick six, a miracle comeback. But I think you give him the next three games. I think you give him Houston, Atlanta, and the Giants on the road before the bye week, and I think you do it for a few reasons. Number one is the alternative didn't show you a lot before he got hurt. I mean, it's not like you're you're it's not like you're keeping Dan Marino from coming back, you know, into the starting lineup. Number two 
is that this is the formula that I think that Ron is most comfortable with. Running the football, possessing the football, moving the chains, shortening the game, and winning 17-15. to You know, they had two of those 17-15 games last year. They had a 17-16 game two weeks ago. They had a 20-17 to game last week. I understand they scored 26 if you take the final play out of the game against Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, the turnovers in the, in the game were huge. So, you know, with turnovers, you can get some of those, you know, extra points. But this is what he wants to be right now. I also think it's more comfortable for Scott Turner right now so that he can call more of a basics. It's not that it's scaled down in terms of the playbook, but he's just not going to dial up the shots or feel compelled to dial up the shots. I mean, he could run this game plan with Carson Wentz, uh, this formula. Carson Wentz ran this in Indianapolis when they got back into, into playoff contention last year, a dominant run-first team. But here's the number one reason, and you've talked about this a lot. The number one reason is you would deflate the locker room if you made a switch. And one game Sunday at Houston, unless it's four picks and two fumbles and a 37-10 to 10 loss, um, if it's more like some of what we saw last year, which, you know, there were a couple of ugly games, understood, 56-14, et cetera. But if it's more in the line of they just weren't good enough and, you know, there was, a, there was another – you know, he's had three straight fourth-quarter interception games here, um, going back to Indy and then Minnesota and then last week. But I think the locker room right now is squarely behind – Taylor Heineke, they do have momentum. They are in a playoff race. You know, what is their true upside? You know, if they were to make it to the playoffs, it's not big, understood, but they're going for it right now. They want to keep people interested. They want to try to to, to win nine or ten games and get there. And if you if you bring Carson Wentz out there before Taylor Heineke's proven that he can't manage the, the, what he's managed here over the last few weeks then you haven't read the room. And I think Ron's too good at reading the room. I think he benched Dwayne Haskins. He demoted him to third string and said, i got to worry about 52 other people. We know from previous uh, times with Jay Gruden and Mike Shanahan how important it is that the locker room knows and you can't fool the players on the team. And yeah. the, 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 the players yeah. that are most convinced are your biggest or your best players and your, and your two leaders. Terry McLaurin yes. and John Allen. I'd throw Chase John, Young in John there as Allen. well. So they're not doing it. I, yeah, I, I'm giving him three games. And after now three games, then we can talk the, about it. Let's, let's talk about the games that you, you bring up last year about Taylor Heineke. There's a significant difference. One thing, he's a year older in the league. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the second thing is, he's got a much better team right now. Yes, he than does. He did then. No doubt. I mean, he, he's got a healthy Curtis Samuel. Uh, he's got Brian Robinson as an option. He's got uh, Jahan Dotson. Uh, he has uh, a much better offense available to him now. Forget about that. The, de- the defense is leading this team right now, and last year the yes. defense was a wreck. Yes. So he, he's, he's got a much more comfort zone around him than he did last year. Right. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in, in Heineke we trust, right? 
Well, I, it's not that I trust it. I just think it's the best option right now, and I think it's an, it's I the, and, and it's the only option because of the way the team feels about him. And yeah. you know, if you weren't, you know, if you weren't five and five with a legitimate chance, and you were out of it, let's just say they lost to Chicago and they lost the Indy game and they lost the Philadelphia game because the face mask was called and Philadelphia went down the field and scored a touchdown, then I would actually be advocating that we start, you know, considering Sam Howell to see what he has. And I would not want, and I don't want them to get to that 70% threshold of snaps where the third rounder turns into a second rounder for Indianapolis. And I think with Taylor starting Sunday in Houston, we're almost at the point where it's going to be pretty hard for Carson Wentz to get to 70% of the snaps, even if he played the rest of the games, because there would be six and four, 10 out of 17 isn't 70%. So, um, uh, so anyway, uh, I, I'm not a believer in Taylor Heineke long-term. I've not come off that at all. Um, And it's not that I'm a believer that he can lead them to the postseason this year. I am a believer, though, that right now making the switch would be the making a switch would be the wrong decision, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised, and I wouldn't have a problem if Ron said even late this week or early next week, if they win a tight game against Houston, Taylor's our starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. You know, we, we, we're going with Taylor right now. I wouldn't have a problem with that, and I would completely understand it. Yeah. Yeah, I would too. And you got to admit, he's fun, right? He's fun to root for? He's, he's he, fun to watch? He's definitely fun to root for. He okay. is a roller coaster to watch. And Look, I don't, roller coasters are fun. Roller coasters are fun. Not for everybody. I loved roller coasters as a kid. You know, Tommy, when I would go to, you know, theme parks like, you know, being down at the beach, going to Ocean City Boardwalk where the, uh, or the Rehoboth Boardwalk, but the Ocean City Boardwalk had a pretty big uh, roller coaster. So did that place Playland on 65th Street in o- Ocean City. My parents wouldn't go on the roller coaster with me. They wouldn't, they were, they really? were deathly afraid of roller coasters and my father would have to find some other father for me to get on with to go on the oh roller coaster with. I swear to God. I know he's listening oh, to this just... right now, but he'll admit it. He would not get onto a roller coaster with me. I loved roller coasters. I love coasters. to hear that conversation. I'm sorry, buddy. Could you take my son <laughs> with you on the roller coaster? Yeah. I loved them. Like when King's Dominion was a big deal when I was, you know, in middle school and we would do, uh, you know, field trips or to, to, I loved those roller coasters. The Rebel Yell at King's Dominion was a great ride. So, yes, he is a bit of a roller coaster. Um, and roller coasters are fun. So, I guess to answer your question, it's fun. Um, I do, I want to make one thing like in clear for those of you that have reached out to me and made compelling arguments why they should go to Carson Wentz when, when he's ready. I don't disagree with a lot of the, you know, player for player, you know, comparisons like imagine Wentz now with an improved offensive line, a much better defense, um, and, you know, being able to sit back and watch a little bit, imagine what the dimension of being, being able to truly stretch the field could do for the offense. I do get that. With that said, though, the players don't want Wentz. They want Heineke. You can't, you can't, you know, somebody tweeted me and said that you said to me, it would be a total deflation. It would be letting the air out of this momentum balloon. 
And they're not going to do that. Yeah. They're not going to no, do they're it. they're not. They're not going to do that. No, no, the one thing that Ron does well is manage players. And he knows players. And he knows that locker room. And he's not going to go against that. I don't think he is. I don't think so. Um, but I do. I, I would have a problem if Wentz actually is ready out there right now. If they don't say and suck it up and man up and say we're going with Taylor. Carson's ready, but we're going with Taylor. But Carson's going to be the backup because they are fighting right now for a playoff spot. And if Taylor goes down, and remember, one of the big, big concerns about Taylor Heineke after he played well in that playoff game against Tampa is that he had played in four NFL games and been hurt in three of them. And he has not been hurt. I mean, he got banged up a couple times last year, but he hasn't been injured injured. Well, what if he does get injured and you got in a a 10-10 game in the third quarter on Sunday and you got to put Sam Howell out there? and Sam Howell's not ready, and you end up losing because of it when you could have had Wentz dressed and in the game. That, that's not, that would, you know, if that happens, then it's on the coaches. But I'll take him at his word because it makes sense. It was supposed to be a four- to six-week injury, and we're just over four weeks right now. He broke his finger and, and had it surgically repaired. So that's all this is possible. Anything else on the quarterback uh, situation? No, nothing else. Okay, I want to. You know, though, there's some people out there who would tell you, "No, no, no, we don't want Carson Wentz. We want Sam Howell as the backup because we want to see our fifth round draft pick run this team to the playoffs." Or there's some people who like that. Well, or they would say, "Who cares about the playoffs? You're not going to do anything when you get there, and you're That's probably true. not going to get there anyway." This should all be about the future, and you got to know what you have in Sam Howell. And, oh, by the way, wouldn't it be better to play Sam Howell in a game that matters? Because then you really get it. You know, sometimes when you get these quarterbacks at the end of the year in games that are meaningless for the team, it's not necessarily the best of measuring sticks. Get them into a game where they have to win to stay in playoff contention, and then you know a little bit more into a pressure game. But no, I'm not there because I'm always thinking playoff scenarios. (laughs) And Cooley and I hit on something that I went back and did some hardcore playoff scenario research on uh, that I want to get to when we come back. Uh, And we'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
This segment of the show is brought to you by Shelly's Back Room, Tom's favorite cigar bar in town. Let me tell you something. I, I've told you this before about Shelly's, but I think it's important for, for listeners to know this. They have this state-of-the-art ventilation system that combines smoke removal, continuous fresh air every 90 seconds, and odor control. They are not a smoke-filled room. Now, uh, I didn't get a chance to tell you this, but I won a lottery recently. You did? Uh, and Yes, I did. How did, you not tell, lottery. how did you not tell me? What, what, which lottery well, did you win? Uh, the lottery to go see the Christmas tree lighting at the White House. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, you have to enter that thing, and it's tough to get tickets for it. Uh, I know people who have entered it for five, six years and never gotten tickets. So for, I, I did it for On the Lark. I got I got us two tickets, mm-hmm. you know, seated in seats. So I'm very look, psyched about that. What's interesting is I won that lottery on the same day they had the Powerball lottery. I would have much preferred to have won that lottery, right? And then had my own Christmas tree lighting. <laughs> well, yeah, and invited well, you, everybody to. You, it. you certainly you could have <laughs> bought your, your way into that Christmas tree lighting. When is the Christmas? Isn't it usually like the first couple of days of December, somewhere around there? November thirtieth. Oh, it's early. November 30th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, after the Christmas tree lighting, mm-hmm. I'll be there with my wife. I'll take her over to Shelly's, and we'll have a drink and something to eat. And she's very comfortable at Shelly's. And she doesn't, I mean, I don't smoke uh, cigars at home, okay? She's not real comfortable with it, but she's comfortable with the atmosphere at Shelly's. And she particularly likes the food at Shelly's. That's I mean, awesome. It, it, it's a great menu. So, in other words... Don't be put off by the fact that it's a cigar bar. It's one of the great bars in town, period, whether you're a, a cigar smoker or not. Uh, Shelley's Back Room at 1331 F Street Northwest in the district. Make sure you get there before Christmas. Yes, uh, and that part of town, once the tree is up, because we don't, I've never been to the actual lighting night, um, and I don't know that I have much interest in doing that. Uh, but we always, I shouldn't say always, I would say most years, and it usually is the weekend before Christmas or a couple of days before Christmas. We especially did this when the kids were younger. Um, we would drive down and we would go see the the National Christmas Tree. And then we wouldn't go with the kids to Shelley's. Not that you can't take kids there, but <laughs> we, we wouldn't go to a cigar bar with the kids. We would go do the what I like to refer to as the tourist thing. And we would go to Old Ebbet Grill right across the street um, and, right. and have dinner, uh, which was always a zoo uh, during uh, that time of year. But um Good for you. I mean, I was thinking you were going to tell me that you hit, like, you know, a sizable lottery. Not the lottery. I would have known that because you wouldn't be here today. If you if you right. had hit the lottery, uh, yeah, that thing I do with you on Tuesdays and Thursdays, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, Shelly's is awesome. So before we get to what I want to get to, during um, our brief break before the beginning of this segment, Tommy said, I, I, my head's not really – in the show today because I am getting ready to have a colonoscopy and I'm getting ready to begin the prep. It's not a big deal, Tommy. I just did it like four, three, four months ago. It's really not a big that, deal. But, part, but, I can't, but I can't eat anything today at all You can't 24 eat. hours. Yeah, right. So, you, oh, so you're, okay. you're I mean, starting... I mean, that's a little bit of a big deal. Yeah. 
Well, you can you can eat uh, broth. You can eat soup. You know broth and. I don't. I don't. I don't eat broth, Kevin. What kind of man are you? Well, that uh, you would eat broth. Well, it's you the know? it's Come the on. it's all the only thing you can eat, and it's it's tough to go that long without eating. So. Well, I can do it. I've done it before. Yeah. Are you, are you uh, doing let the, me ask you this. Yes. Are you doing the pill? I haven't prep? started the. No, no. I got to drink the liquid. Okay. Why didn't Why didn't you do the pills? Because I didn't know pills existed. They do. They. they it's like from. They, it's. It, I. I mean, I didn't know it either. They gave me the option, and I said, "Really, pills? When did that happen?" And I think it's. It happened maybe a couple of years ago, and it was not. You know, and the hardest part, of course, is you know you basically are in the bathroom for for hours upon yeah. hours. Yeah. So uh, the day before, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yesterday, uh, at the beginning of the day, my wife says to me, so you're going to kind of like eat a little bit light today to ease in to, you know, the day tomorrow? I said, are you kidding me? I said, I'm going to eat like a man going to the electric chair. So, so what I'm going to you... eat everything I can find. <laughs> so what did you I'm eat? I'm going to eat... Oh my God! I had a I had a I had a cake for breakfast. A <laughs> cake? I had a Wend I had, I had yes I had a Wendy's triple uh, with cheese for lunch. Oh, okay, I don't want to know what's com- had, I don't even want to know what's going to be coming a, out of you. Oh! And I had a Lido pizza for dinner. Hold and on! And I had a snack after that. Hold on! You had cake for you? Did you? You said you had a cake. Was it a piece of cake yes. or a cake that you had? I believe it was a cake. <laughs> what kind of cake did you eat? Well, it doesn't matter. I don't like a lot of cake. I, I like know you're not cake. a sweets person, but why that? What kind of cake was it? Well, they didn't have crumb cake again because, <laughs> uh, contrary to what you think, it's hard to <laughs> no, find. No, it's not. A, 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 a crumb cake. Oh, it's not. Having did the store locator uh-huh. and tried it. Yeah. There was zero available. Why don't you order them online? Why don't you go to the Entenmann's web, website and order order eighty boxes of them online? <laughs> really, but then I'd eat eighty boxes. Okay, but See, well, I only eat them like. Maybe answer the question: What kind of cake did you eat yesterday? You pound ate a cake. cake. I had pound cake. Oh, you had pound, pound cake. cake. What was it like? A yeah. Sara Lee pound cake? <laughs> yeah, it was Something like that. Entenmann's. It was Entenmann's. Oh, it was Entenmann's. Pound okay. Um, yeah. All right, and then you did so, Wendy's for lunch. A triple. Oh, you went with a, a triple. triple. That's yes, I went with the triple. And then you did Alito pizza at night. Yes. What kind of what? What did yeah. you what did you get on your pizza? You put a lot well, of pig. I'm, I'm a, okay. what, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, a lot of you meat. I seem like the kind of guy who would put a lot of stuff on a pizza. No. Oh no, it's you just went cheese. cheese. Yeah, yeah, you're a ham and cheeser. I mean, I, um, I can I can live with pepperoni, but my preference is cheese. Yeah. Okay. So, you, so you, yeah, I I ate I ate like a sailor about to walk the plank. Was that a, was it a medium or a large? It was a medium. Okay, you did. A I medium? mean, I know my limits. <laughs> okay. okay. And then what? And then what did you have for dessert after dinner? More pound cake? I didn't have a dessert <laughs> after dinner. I had some crackers uh, late at night, around 10.30 at night. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, okay, I only got an hour and a half left uh, before I have to stop eating. Oh, boy. So uh, this is, I had some crackers. This is going to be really interesting for you to, to, late today and tonight. Um, the meal that I looked forward to was the post-colonoscopy you know, meal. 
I couldn't wait because I was starving. By the way, the, the colonoscopy itself, of course, is really, I mean, it's nothing. Everybody who has had it understands. They put you under, and it's like the next thing you know, you're up, and they're like, ah, you're, it's done. And I'll tell you what, uh, this, is, th- this is awful to say because I think it's what killed Michael Jackson, right, because they were hooking him up to that, you know, the, to the general anesthesia drug, and I forget the name of the drug. It's like propofol or propofol or something like that. That's what he, I think that's what he died of, right? They, they hooked him up to it and they, he needed that to kind of go to sleep. And so they had him, you know, but that feeling where they say, all right, uh, you're going to be asleep in three, two, one, that feeling as you drop into that sleep, woo, that's a good feeling. That is a good feeling. Um, yeah, but waking up, waking up, it, it feels like, you know, the whole world could have changed. In that time, it's thirty minutes. Not even sometimes. I know. I know. Whatever it is. Well, again, we don't want to have the discussion about how easy it is because it wasn't particularly easy when I had. I know, and I don't want to hear that story again because that was many years ago before they made this a lot easier. I don't want to hear that story. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, So don't do this. When you wake up, when you wake up tomorrow, maybe, maybe Carson Wentz is the backup quarterback. Um, so I, I want to talk about something that I just kind of uh, Cooley and I talked about briefly, which is the the legitimate you know um, opportunity for Washington, or how legitimate of an opportunity is it in the NFC? Because I have been saying for a while, look, you know, if you can get to eight or nine wins, you're going to have a really good chance to make it in the NFC. And Cooley and I had a conversation about this yesterday, and I kind of went into it further. I think you're going to need 10 wins to make it to the NFC playoffs. I do. Um, And I think maybe the best chance for Washington to get uh, into the postseason will be to catch and then pass Dallas or the Giants. Because the NFC West, to me, San Francisco, and Cooley agrees with this, we're in agreement on this, I think San Francisco can win the Super Bowl. I mean, I think they can certainly get to the Super Bowl. I think that is a a right now the team I picked them the other day on my radio show when we did our midseason picks. I picked them to to get to the Super Bowl. So they're gonna win ten games. They're five and four right now. By the way, there's a huge game with Washington potentially as far as the playoff race goes for both teams. Even though it may not be a head-to-head thing, because I think San Francisco can win the division out west, um, but they play on Christmas Eve, uh, late afternoon game on Christmas Eve out in Santa Clara. Um, but I think the NFC West is the problem here. Um, the problem is if you assume, like I do, that the 49ers are really good and that they're going to win 10 games and probably the division, well, then you're looking at Seattle. And I watched Seattle start to finish last Sunday morning. I actually think they're a pretty good team. And they have the Raiders, the Rams, and the Panthers coming up in their next three after a bye week. Uh, the Raiders are obviously two and seven. The Rams, right now, you could make the case if, as long as this guy Wolford is the quarterback, they might be the worst team in the NFL. You know, which, by the way, speaks to what we talk about every year as far as the NFL is concerned, Tommy. Super Bowl champions to right now in the discussion for the worst team in the NFL. Now, part of that is the a lot of it is the injuries, of course. Um, they have the Ram, they have the Raiders, Rams, and Panthers in their next three. They also have games at the end of the year against the uh, the the Jets and the Rams. The Jet games at home, though, and the Jets are good. I understand that, 
but it's a home game for them. They do have the 49ers and the Chiefs, the 49ers at home, the Chiefs on the road. They're 6-4. and four. I think they get to 10. And I think that the, the chances of them getting to 10 are, are you know, much better than I would have thought, uh, you know, a week or two weeks ago. And they were in the midst of a four-game winning streak. So I think San Francisco may get to 11. They might win 10 or 11 and win that division. And Seattle's going to be there at 10, which means Washington's best chance would be to catch Dallas or Philadelphia in their own division to finish third place and snag that, that one of those three wild-card spots. The Giants are 7-2, and two, but... You know, right now, they're only two and a half games ahead of Washington, and we play them twice. So those two giant games are massive. Now, the Giants also have the Eagles twice. They also play Minnesota. They also play Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. They also are only a three-point favorite this weekend at home against the three and six Lions. So the Giants and Washington... You know, especially considering they play each other twice. And then you add to that the, that the Giants still have their two games with the Eagles. And, the Was- and Washington's already split with the Eagles. And they play Minnesota on the road. Now, Washington has to play San Francisco on the road. It's the Giants that I look at and say, maybe they can catch New York. Is there really that much of a difference between Washington and New York? I think New York's a little bit better. I think Washington's better on defense. I think maybe the Giants are a little bit better coached and are better quarterback with Daniel Jones. I do believe that. They have Saquon Barkley, who is going to win comeback player of the year. He's, he's you know having an absolute monster season. And then what about the Cowboys? Well, Washington finishes at home with Dallas. Could it be that we get to that season finale against the Cowboys by the way, the game that Sonny is going to be in, you know, have his jersey retired, and that ends up being a game for a playoff spot. Well, Dallas is, they've got Minnesota and the Giants in four days on Sunday and then on Thanksgiving Day. Um, they still have to play the Eagles and the Titans, and they have three losses. Washington's only got five. So they're only two losses back in, in, in that column. And so I would say, as far as the path to the postseason, Figure out a way to win five of your final seven, all right? And how would they do that? Well, it's got to happen the next two weeks. They got to beat Houston and they got to beat Atlanta to get to seven. And then split with the Giants to get to eight. And then beat Cleveland to get to nine and have a game in the season finale against the Cowboys to get to 10 and maybe beat out Dallas for the final playoff spot. Maybe it's also beating out the, uh, the Giants for the final playoff spot. But that's what I think is the best chance for them, is not to catch Seattle or San Francisco, but to catch one of the teams in their division. Unless you really believe Seattle's way overrated and won't get to 10, they're at 6 already and their schedule's favorable, um, I, think that's what, I think these games coming up, Houston, Atlanta, and the two against the Giants, those two against the Giants, even if you split the next two and you're 6-6, six and six, and you get, you know, you, you then you get a chance to potentially sweep the Giants to then move in front of them. And I don't think the Giants are like some unbeatable team. They're not. You know, they've 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 won all of their games basically by one score. So that's the way I think they get to the postseason. Any questions or are you still 
thinking about your prep that starts later today? No, uh, you think that's that's the most feasible route. You don't think that that's the that's the route that they're that's going to wind up, do you? I don't think they're going to make the playoffs because I don't think they're going to win ten okay. games. So I, I'm just saying that okay. if you and 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 I've been saying that if you get to nine, you're probably going to get in, and I don't think nine will do it um, because I think that you know Seattle. And Dallas and the Giants all have chances there to win 10 games unless unless Washington derails the Giants or the Cowboys. And the Giants are the team that they can control in terms of derailing because they've got two games against them. Again, some, some people may say, no, Sheehan, you're wrong about Seattle. They're going to get to nine but not ten. Okay, that's possible. They have the Rams twice, the Raiders, and the Panthers. There are four games right there that they're going to have a chance to win to get to 10. And then they've got the 49ers and Chiefs, but they have the Jets, but the Jets they have at home late in the year. I think they can get to 10. I watched them Sunday. I don't I think they're good. You know, they were the, they were one of the leading scorers in the league before Sunday's game. In fact, leading scoring teams. In fact, right now, um Seattle has 257 total points. They're the leading scoring team in the NFC. Now, Philadelphia is close. Average points per game, it's Philadelphia. Seattle's second. Uh, I think they're much better than people think. I was impressed with what I watched on Sunday, especially when they came back. I mean, Tampa had to make first downs at the end of that game or they were going to lose that game. Geno Smith had them on the move a couple of times. And uh, and I, I think Seattle's good. So I think that it's the Giants and the Cowboys that if at Washington ends up making it, it'll be one of those two teams that don't make it. That maybe summed it up the best. If they make it, okay. they caught either the Giants or the Cowboys. All four teams in the division didn't make it, even though it is possible that all four could. But that would require Seattle or San Francisco to go into the tank. One other quick thing, because I didn't mention teams like Green Bay and Atlanta. Um, you know, I understand Green Bay is four and six, and I think they've got a chance to win tonight. Tennessee has a bunch of players out, and this is Green Bay's season tonight. They either beat Tennessee to get to five and six, or the season is over. I mean, this is it for them tonight, and I think they've got a chance to win tonight against a good Tennessee team. And then there's Atlanta, and Washington plays them Thanksgiving weekend at home. And Atlanta, you know, is sitting there at four and six, and almost every game that they have lost, with the exception of their more recent game, uh, two games, uh, the Cincinnati game and the Carolina game, they've been in. And they have the Bears, they've got the Steelers, they've got the Cardinals, they've got the Saints. They're looking at it. We've got Washington. You know, they're looking at a, a you know a, a way that they could make a run either to the division or to a wild card. They're going to be a tough team to check too. They're a very interesting team offensively with Arthur Smith uh, leading them. You know, net net net, Tommy. I don't think they're going to. Washington's going to win ten. Uh, they've got seven games left. I think four and three is the best you can hope for, and that would get them not to nine and eight. And then you really need other teams to really implode and lose games they shouldn't right. lose to, to have a chance at 9-8. and eight. That's the right. best they can do. And which, I, is, which is pretty much, you know, their, their familiar ground. Seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. Their familiar ground. Right. And they still won't have a quarterback uh, moving forward. That's the way I see it. But, yeah. thank God, 
they're they're alive here as we approach Thanksgiving week next week. This is what we always ask for every year. Just get us to Thanksgiving where they're mathematically alive and we can talk about playoff scenarios because I can tell you this, you know, for those of you that say, oh, you guys, you know, you thrive on the negativity of this team and the losing. No, it's much better when they have this kind of thing going. Uh, I, I'll just share this with with everybody. The radio show on Monday or Tuesday morning because we get immediate numbers and the podcast numbers too. Um, massive increases on Tuesday. Uh, it's much better for those of us that do what we do if they win a game like they did against Philadelphia and they are all of a sudden actually in playoff contention. It's much better. Um, I wanted real quickly, and we'll finish up with something in, in the final uh, segment of the show. Um, uh, uh, and, and it will deal with more of the non-football stuff with Washington. I just wanted to say that last night's Wizards game against Oklahoma City was really an exciting game. I mean, it was a really, really exciting NBA game. You know, Tommy, you probably haven't been paying attention, but the Wizards were on a four-game win streak. I know that. Okay. I know they were. And they, and they were favored last night. It was kind of a short favorite against the Thunder, which which worried me. Um, but because because Oklahoma City's played well, um, but uh, I'm going to nitpick, you know, Wes Unseld Jr. in this game. I thought he had a rough night. Uh, first of all, the first thing I want to say about the game is Shea Gilgis Alexander is a superstar. I mean, a he. It's not that he was a revelation to me last night because I know he had a good year and I knew he was having a good year, but I had not watched an Oklahoma City game at all. Who does? Okay, even though they've got some good young players. SGA, as he's known to NBA fans, is a major, major superstar player. 24 years old. You know, they drafted him out of Kentucky in the first round in 2018. The Clippers actually traded him. And then Kawhi wanted Paul George, so he was part of the trade from the Clippers to Oklahoma City to get Paul George to go to, the, to, to, go to L.A. to join Kawhi. Gilgis Alexander, SGA, was totally uncheckable last night. He had 42 points. He had 30 in the second half of that game. He could not be checked. I was very surprised, and I I was disappointed that they didn't try to double him. And you can say, if you watch the game, well, they did, but he did such a great job of of shaking off the double. They really didn't come at him with hard doubles to make him give uh, give up the uh, ball. Um, The matchups at times, actually, I thought Bradley did the best job on him. Denny Avdia is their best best defender, but he had five fouls and ended up guarding him for three or four straight possessions. They totally took advantage of that. And then at the end of the game, with six seconds to go after Beal had given the Wizards the lead um, at 120 to 118, uh, they came out of the, the, the huddle and they put Monty Morris on, on, on Gilgis Alexander, the smallest player the Wizards had on the floor. That was a massive mistake. I mean, they needed size on this guy. I would have doubled him and made him give up the ball. And maybe you would have given up an open three and potentially lost and you were only willing to give up a two and go to overtime. Understood. But if you're not going to double him, you can't guard him with Morris. I I could not believe that that's the decision they made, and it wasn't a switch. They didn't get it, they didn't get Morris into a switch. He was guarding him. 
So that was a massive mistake because he could shoot over him so easily. And he started the drive, and Morris backed up, and he stepped back and knocked down a three, and Oklahoma City, with 1.1 seconds left, had a win. Now, the Wizards had a timeout, and they ran a play at the end that I did not like at all. Um, Oklahoma City switched on everything, which you have to expect as a coach. You know, the rule basically in basketball, in you know, a tight game, you know, five seconds or less, you're going to switch every single screen. Because with five seconds or less, you – you, you don't have time to take advantage of a mismatch created by a switch. That's why you all – it's switching the, it, it screens is, the, you know, is a, a really good defense to play, especially when you have five guys and they're kind of interchangeable. But in the final five seconds, even if the, you know, the other team has a big and you don't want to get a big on a small, they don't have enough time to take advantage of it you know, in the final five seconds. And they certainly don't have time to take advantage of it with 1.1 seconds. So he had to know they were going to switch every screen, or certainly every screen with the exception of the Porzingis screen. And they tried a cross-court pass with Beal coming off a double screen that didn't have a prayer. The second option was Kuzma. They should have thrown it to Kuzma and let him put up a contested shot, but at least they would have gotten a shot off. I, I like Wes Jr. I do, and I like the way they've been playing. I thought he was completely outcoached down the stretch last night. Beal looked good in his return, and Tommy, during at halftime of the game, you know, I did one of those things where I tweeted out something that has the potential not to age well. <laughs> you know, when when people put out stuff like. Um, you know, uh, this game is over. This team sucks. This quarterback is awful. And then, you know, a quarter later, the guy's thrown for 280 yards and three touchdowns and the team wins, you know, and, and the tweet doesn't age well. Well, I tweeted out last night at halftime after the Wizards had set a franchise record by making 14 threes and a half. They were 14 of 20. And Porzingis had 20 points and seven rebounds at halftime. And he has played so well. And I tweeted out, if Porzingis stays healthy, this team is a playoff team and can win a playoff series in May. But really, the reason it didn't age well is I just assumed they were going to win the game last night. They were up 13. They had an 18-point lead at one point in the first half. And they lose the game, and people were mocking me, which you des- you know I deserve. Uh, yeah. I do think it's I don't think it's a team that stinks. I think it's a much better team than people understand. They just have to stay healthy. You know, they just have to stay healthy. You know what the Wizards are doing tomorrow night? I do. Yeah. Gilbert Arenas. Isn't that absurd? Antoine Jameson and Karan <laughs> Butler, the big three well, are coming back. I mean, how how pathetic can you possibly be as a franchise? They're celebrating a team that never won more than forty three games in one year. Yeah, but and in the playoffs, had a record of four and twelve. Tommy, Kevin, Tommy. I mean, it's, it's as pathetic as you get. Roller coasters are not fun. the least of which. Roller is, coasters are not fun. Not the least of which. <laughs> not the least of which is uh-huh. there. This is all part of the celebration of the rebranding of the Wizards, the twenty-fifth anniversary of the changing of the name. You know, the name used to be Bullets. But, but the owner, A. Poland, said no sports team should be named after bullets with all the gun violence. Yeah. And they're bringing back a guy who basically <laughs> almost wrecked the entire franchise mm-hmm. by bringing guns into the locker room. He did that, yeah. And, he put, I mean, put I, I, shoes, too. 
You know, how can you possibly be so tone deaf? And it turns out that's not the first time. Uh, Nick Young, last month on, on a podcast, uh, told a story about how Nick Young brought a BB gun yeah. to the locker room once to basically scare Gilbert. And he put it in his, and he put Nick Young had it in his locker. Well, Gilbert found out about it, got the BB gun, came into a meeting, and shot Nick Young with the BB gun. And the meeting was about the NBA gun policy. <laughs> Is that true? Oh, yes. that, that can't be true. Yeah, that's what Nick Young says. Uh, that's hysterical. And this is the guy they're going to honor tonight. It's in a bar- That's almost grotesque, hey, Tommy, to be honest with you. Tommy, roller coasters are fun. That was fun there for a <laughs> while. Yeah, that was no fun. It felt like the franchise was literally going to collapse. Well, not for those under f- that criticism. Not for those few years when the dude was was putting up sixty and and hit the. I mean, honestly, that year that they went to the postseason, which was their first year back in the postseason since the Jawan, you know, Weber uh, team that lost to Jordan. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that year. We're talking no, about. That's true. That's true. That was Larry Hughes. That was Larry Hughes. That was Larry Hughes, right? Yeah. That was Larry Hughes here. No, I, this is these are the three years I know. that yeah. followed. I mean, at least that year they made it out of the first round. No, that's what I was going to say. Only to get swept. No, that's what I was going to yeah. say. Is that team with yeah. with Gill and Antoine and um, Larry Hughes because you know uh, Butler came in after um, and uh, Brendan Haywood, Juan Dixon had a massive game in the series against Chicago. They, I was there um, for uh, the game six against Chicago when they clinched. You know, that was after Gill hit the shot in Chicago in game five at the buzzer to win that game. I think it was 112 to 110. You're part of the pathetic crew. So, and then they went on and got swept in four games. Yeah, I know, by the heat. But you knew that was coming. But I'm telling you, the, the celebration outside of MCI Center that night because it was MCI Center, I think, at the time, when they won that game six to, to, to finish off Chicago, I was so fired up. I, oh, my oh God. My, then you're one of the goofs. You're one of the guys. Guy, guy I, well, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't know at that point what Gilbert was. I mean, Gilbert was just awesome but that season. But you knew at the team they were flawed. Uh, oh, they what? were flawed. They were never going to be more than what they were. Well, I'm not going to say that I knew that in the moment. I mean, this was 2005. This was their first year. They had won. I'm looking it up right now because I think they won 44 games. No, 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 no. They won 45 in the Larry Hughes era. 45, Larry Hughes 45, 45 wins. Here it is. 45 That's wins. That's not what they're celebrating tonight. I know they're that. I understand that. Three. I know. I corrected myself. You helped me. I understand okay. that. They're celebrating the big three. And the big three, unfortunately, never seemed to really be healthy at the same time because there was the season with the big three when they started off and they were headed. Remember at one point where he said, well, we were, we were, if we stayed healthy, we would have had uh, the best, uh, we would have had the best record at the halfway mark at the, at the all-star break. Um, and, you know, he wasn't wrong. Uh, there were a couple of years where they actually really had, they were a very, very good offensive team. They were always flawed defensively. That, that was their biggest yeah. issue. And, and they were, you know, remember yeah. this too. They were in the East with, first of all, the Shaquille, uh, you know, the, the Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade Heat. And then they had LeBron. I mean, they were never going to get through Stop that. Stop it. Stop it. 
Yeah. In every in every era, you could say that about the Wizards. Uh, I, every era since since Magic and Bird, there's always been that. Well, there was Magic and Bird. And oh no, was no, 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 no! It wasn't and even Magic was and, Jack and No, because they stunk during those years. It wasn't. They weren't even a competitor. But in the years with right. those those years that we're talking about, the Eddie Jordan years, they had a couple of good teams. I mean, they they had that good. Forty three wins series is against not Cleveland. a good team. 40, 43 wins is not a good team. No, but they lost in six games in that, you know, uh, what was a very competitive series against the uh, against the Cavs. I was wow. at that game six when LeBron went up to Gill um, before those free throws and uh, and tried to shake him a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, this is, it's, it's ridiculous. You know what's funny about that? It really that? Shows, shows how pathetic a franchise is and how tone-deaf the owner is, by the way. Can I just tell you something about that? You know, celebrating okay. celebrating you the, the name change from bullets, yeah. celebrating the name change, right. okay, with a guy who basically brought guns into A. Poland's building. Yeah. That's really, that's tone-deaf. Right. Are you done? No, I'm not. Okay. What Somebody else? get me a cake. Um... Where's the cake, like Abe Poland would say? Where's the cake? You know what's weird? The Chicago closeout game, which I so fondly remember and you're irritated that I remember, the crowd was incredible. Um, And the Cleveland game, when they got closed out, there were a lot of Cleveland fans. God, there were so many LeBron fans back even then. Um, But I, the truth of the matter is I much more enjoyed – because I thought this team was just better and had a much better chance than John Wall, Bradley Beal, um, you know, teams with with Gortat and Nene and Trevor Ariza. Those teams I really enjoyed. And I think they screwed it up a little bit with, you know, going after the Kevin Durant in 2016. But, you know, the truth is is the the guilt the, the, the big three team never was as good as the teams that went to the playoffs with Wall and Beal. I mean, they were, you know, they would have gone to the Eastern Conference Finals had Wall not gotten hurt against Atlanta. And then they were in a Game 7 to go to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Celtics in a great series. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I have zero interest in honoring those three, even though I really like, uh, I, I really thought Karan and Antoine were high-quality people. There you go. And they, they are. They were and they are. Yes. Okay, uh, we got a few things to finish up the show with. We'll get to those right after these words from a few of our sponsors. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. This segment of the show is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. Uh, Tennessee tonight is a three-point underdog at Lambeau where it's going to be cold but no snow. 
Um, the more interesting game this weekend is, uh, you know, the Buffalo-Cleveland game where between four and six feet of snow are being for, is being forecasted um, for the, uh, the lake effect areas of western New York. Now, the snow may end um, by kickoff time, but the total, Tommy, has dropped from 47.5 down to 40 uh, for that game. Uh, interestingly enough, a lot of the snow games end up with lots of points. Um, because, you know, unless it's completely unplayable. Uh, the NFL is considering doing something with this game, but they're in a quandary because Buffalo plays on Thanksgiving. So they can't move this to, like, Monday night or Tuesday because they play Thursday in Detroit. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, with the Buffalo-Cleveland game. But at my bookie right now, uh, you can bet all of these prop bets, and we were talking about the Washington playoff p- path. Well, Washington's odds on my bookie to make the playoffs, all right, to make the playoffs, no, all right, no, they're not going to make the playoffs, is the favorite at minus 319. So you have to wager $319 to win 100. The yes, if you say yes, they make the playoffs, you get plus 246 back. Um, but uh, that's the situation with their playoff odds. The 49ers are a prohibitive favorite to make the postseason. Um, the Giants are minus 319 to make it uh, to the postseason. Uh, and the Cowboys are – where are the Cowboys here? The Cowboys are minus 5,000 to make the playoffs. Um, so anyway, uh, go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they'll match your deposit dollar for dollar. Lots of betting opportunities for them. So uh, officially, the, uh, Congress became Republican last night. They got to 218, and they'll get you know a few more um, before all of these races are settled. But for our purposes, um, the conversation about the House Oversight uh, Committee uh, continuing this uh, investigation into the commanders, into Daniel Snyder. But really, that's not what the investigation was going to be about. Remember, the investigation was uh, really uh, about, you know, b- developing legislation, Tommy, to kind of, um, you know, f- figure out the workplace and the NDAs. And it-, it was more about, you know, that's what they said it was. We, we know it was about Snyder and-, and-, and Washington. But the ranking member, James Comer, said uh, with respect to the investigation, quote, it's over closed quote. Do you think we'll get a report? Are we going to get anything from this committee wrapping it up? I think we'll get a report. I don't know how much different it'll be other than the the lawsuit that was filed by Carl Racine. Uh, I think it'll probably be very similar to that. I think there'll be a report. Uh, You know what would be actually interesting, I think, to all of us is if somehow they release the transcript of the Snyder 11-hour you know, deposition or interview, whatever you know, it was if called. They, if, they don't, if they don't, then this would have been a failure. Uh, it's kind of interesting that nothing's leaked from that. Yes. Why do you think that if is? If they had some kind of agreement to keep that quiet, mm-hmm. it wasn't worth the agreement. It wasn't worth it. You uh, know, if, it, if, that, if that's not part of the public record uh, before they exit... Then, then they made some kind of deal with, with uh, Snyder, and that was a foolish arrangement. Well, or they didn't get anything from him that, that was titillating enough. What, Mr. Happy Thanksgiving over 11 hours? Come on. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, if there had been a bombshell <laughs> in there, I think it would have been leaked at this point. 
or I think the report from the oversight committee would have already been out with all of their you know recommendations and and probably sending something to the DOJ. But we haven't had any of that. Not that we know of anyway. Uh, Meantime, a week after the Carl Racine press conference, remember he promised at the end of that press conference or during the questioning that next week, as in this week, we were going to get the second part of it, which was the financial improprieties case that they are, you know. We haven't gotten that yet. We have not gotten that yet. So maybe that's something to look for today or tomorrow. Uh, The Post came out with a story that basically said that all of the bidders for the team um, understand that if Bezos is legitimately interested, it's his to get. Now that's you know that that would be obvious based on just his ability to write any check that is required and to to beat any other bid out there. Um, and Bezos had. But this, there is a school of thought. Yes. There is a school of thought out there right. that says that Snyder will never sell it to Bezos. Right because of, of the Washington Post coverage, Bezos owning the Washington Post. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, and there is, you know, even though I think you and I both came down on the same side on this, I think we did, um, you know, there could be a perceived conflict of interest with Amazon being a major partner of the NFL with him, with him owning a team and, you know, him owning the major newspaper in the town um, in which he he would own the team, but no, uh, I I said I said that there's no more rules. Those, those things. No, are I, gone. I, I agree with out. you, John Henry. I agreed with you. On yeah. That. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. John Henry owns the Red Sox and he owns the Boston Globe. That's right. So we we yeah. we we've seen media moguls and media entities own sports teams uh, before. All right, you yeah. got anything else? Oh, what's your prediction on the game Sunday? Oh, I'm going to predict a win. I'm going to predict a Taylor Heineke victory. Uh, 24-17. 24-17. A very un- uneventful, unexciting game. Uh, no smell test picks tonight. Uh, I don't really like the NFL game one way or the other, and no college games um, interest me as well. I'll have a preview of a Washington-Houston with Cooley tomorrow um, and all of the picks. Smell test, uh, another winning week last week. Barely, but another winning week. All right, uh, we are done for the day. Back tomorrow. Thanks, Tommy. Thank you, boss. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.